Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Martin O'Neill reflected once more on Jurgen Klopp's shock announcement on Friday that he intends to step away from Liverpool at the end of the season. Elsewhere, Eric Ten Hag is treating Marcus Rashford's absence from their FA Cup win at the weekend as an internal manner. Is discipline still a problem in the Manchester United dressing room? Plus... There were troubling scenes at the Black Country Derby as West Brom and Wolves fans violently clashed. What can be done to stop repeat offences from happening in the future? This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Martin, it is good to have you on board. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, good morning. Simon, if it's anything like Friday, um, we're going along quite nicely in our show with Arsenal Invincible, Martin Keown. And then it literally went off, did it not? Mm. At 10.45. And I think I've seen a graph of our audience and the listeners shoot through the roof when Klopp announced Indeed. that he, they was going. It's. I mean, we're at Monday now and people still talking about it everywhere. I mean, Martin, it, it, it's the first time we've got an opportunity to, to ask you. What What was your, your first reaction when you heard Klopp's out at the end of the season? Well, I, I was naturally surprised like everyone else. Um, you think he's going to be there forever and, uh, and it's not happening. Perhaps there was a, wee, uh, a surprise more probably by the timing of it. You know, you're still looking at half a season left. But um, but if that's the nature, perhaps it, it, there might have been, he, he might have been internally uh, talking about this here. It might have been slipping out somewhere and perhaps maybe Liverpool wanted to uh, have the news first of all. Yeah. Well, the, the dust has settled, but it really hasn't, has it, Simon? Because this will go on for days. Well, I would think that Martin's probably right. I think there's no real f- reason for for disclosing it at this moment in time. And I think it's probably because it was about to break mm. and Liverpool and Klopp wanted to control the narrative and to have their version of events before other people start to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. It's a, it's a disappointment because I think he's a great manager. It's a loss to the Premier League. But the Premier League will go on. And someone will step into Klopp's shoes and people will remember what Klopp did. I mean, the irony of it is, I mean, with all due respect to him, he's a very good manager, but he is given an enormous amount of prestige without necessarily the silverware that others have got that perhaps didn't carry quite the same prestige. I mean, there's other managers around in Liverpool's history, albeit at the time when we live in a different age and time where, where things are handed around like confetti, yeah. that won a lot more. Yeah. Now, of course, maybe they didn't have irremovable objects like Man City and Pep Guardiola, but to, to, to be in a club for nine years, 
to currently have won four trophies, despite the fact that there's a remarkable contribution in terms of the style of football and winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues and stopping Liverpool's rot for 30 years by winning a Premier League. It is only four. Yes. Trophies. Yeah, no, true, true. Which is um, remarkable in its own right, because, you know, there's only a few managers that can win trophies, right, Martin? <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, I, I know what Simon's saying, but I don't necessarily take that point. If you're going in, you're, there's a couple of things that, they, that, uh, that he has done. He's been able to win... And Liverpool had not, having dominated football in the in the 80s, had not won a league for quite some time. So they, they end up winning the league. That's fine. He's had a few goals at it, but they uh, see it through. They've been um, they've been going toe-to-toe with Manchester City now. Remember the time the two of them there were separated every single week? It was, And they were miles clear of the third team. Yeah. And you end up winning the Champions League as well too. So uh, you can understand why he is, um, he is revered. And, and Merseyside sure. certainly by the Anfield sure. fans, but and I know what Simon's saying. You know, if you've been there, I didn't realise he'd been there that as long as that there. But it's uh, he's still he's a remarkable manager. As the morning went on on Friday, and I know I'm I'm going back to Friday a bit. We'll get back to today in a moment. But Simon and I and Keon looked more and more into the words mm-hmm. he used in his statement. Running out of energy, Martin. Um, he said, that, you know, I've no problem at the moment, but I, I've known for a while that this was where it was going to take me. Mm-hmm. And an announcement like this would have to be made because I cannot do the job again and again and again and again. Running out of energy. Can you identify with that, Martin, having managed at the very top? Uh, in a short word, yes, I can. I can. I can understand that. You know that he has. Uh, you're at it every single every single day. Uh, you're going into work. It's well. It's part of your work, and you want to be successful, and you want to be driving on. And here's the point. I think that when you reach the end of the season, you definitely feel drained. There's no question about it. And you you actually think that two weeks in Portugal or something like this are going to get you back again. And I'm from my own viewpoint. I know I'd, when I was at the football clubs, I loved the little break that I got because, and after a week, you're you're trying to get yourself rejuvenated again. I loved pre-season because I felt as if I could take the team away, particularly when I knew the players. I could take the team away and I could kind of semi-relax, you know, in a pre-season thing. But then you're at it again, straight. So if you if, if it's a, a if it's something that's been driving you and you want to be successful and you want to be there every single week and it is it is it is draining even though you're been pretty well paid for it you know so people would say that that's the case but um but i think that there's um there's a number of things to it really i think you probably maybe the personal side of it is that you maybe maybe haven't had enough time for for to to see your family and this is interesting i go back a way back I remember speaking to Pat Jennings years and years ago, and he was telling me about a great, great manager, Bill Bill Nicholson, who was the uh, uh, who uh, won the, who won the double at Tottenham <clears throat> way back in 1961-62. Some of our listeners here wouldn't have a clue who I'm talking about. Push but, and run, hmm? push and run style. Wasn't uh, it? Really, yeah. really great, but a great manager, and he um, he uh, obviously led his daughter up the um, up the aisle for him uh, for her to be married, and he realised then that he had never seen her grow up. He'd actually never seen her grow up, that he was absolutely trenched in the game, way every single time, all of these particular things. And I thought to myself, I've gone to management, you want to be successful. And actually, in many aspects, I find the same thing myself, you know, believe it or not, that you, a, a, a child that you think is with you and that you're, you finished your day, doesn't matter what division you're in, you finished your day 
and you feel a bit tired and you can't read a bedtime story and things like this here. It's, it's remarkable. And now, listen, you... Does that make you sad, Martin? No, it, it, well, during the time, you, you, the, you, it's... It's all consuming. You want to do it. You you want to be really good at the job. That's that is the point. And you want to win football matches. And it is it is all consuming. When I went to Wickham Wonders, I I spent my time. I had to make this happen. I really did because I would not get another chance. This this idea that that you'd learn your trade down below, and that you'll get the job up there is absolute bunkum. I've said this before to you that if you fail down below, who's going to pick you up above? So, but I had to make it happen. So every single night you're out and you're missing time. With, and, you know, it was part of it. You know, I had an agreement within the family that this is what we want to do. But you do miss time with that. Now, I don't know whether that's, that's, uh, that's in Klopp's mind. I have no idea at all. But this idea of possibly getting tired when it's been, you're going at it all the time, every single week. I can understand what he's saying. I mean, I, I, I'm absolutely engrossed in what Martin's saying because we do forget that, Simon. The more successful you are as well. But there's no different to any successful walk of life. Everybody that's in a successful, influential position has those trade-offs and challenges. Absolutely. The difference in this environment is that these guys love this industry. They love this job. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, not just a vocation, it's a way of life. It's a style of life. It's a wonderful industry to be in. By football standards... Not by everyday walk of life standards, but you know, by football standards, these guys are institutionalised and told how hard they work and how hard it is to be in this job at times. I don't think Klopp is physically tired. I think maybe he's mentally tired. Yeah. I think physically yeah. the component. He's not yeah. also. He's also. He's fifty-six years of age, so his family are grown up. He has grandchildren coming along now, so it's not a case of he's missing out on the, the family side of things. It may well just be, and also he's in a job. He's not struggling to be successful or st- struggling to be lauded and applauded. He's in an environment where he's adored. Mm. He's not trying to drag yeah. Aston Villa up against an owner mm. that maybe yeah. pushing back against mm. the narrative and trying to get him to win things. Sure. He's at the top of the tree. Sure. So I get I get balancing and listen. I take Martin's point earlier about he should be adored by Liverpool fans. Mm. He should be admired and revered and absolutely, you know, lauded and applauded. That doesn't mean people that aren't Liverpool fans mm. should sit back and go, "Well, yes," because I happen to think that he's the best football manager around. Now, statistics and facts will trump sentiment. My sentiment is, given the nature of what he's worked with and the style of play that he has, I would watch Klopp over Guardiola every day of the week. I admire Guardiola. I think he produces a wonderful team, but it's something feral and more exciting about watching Liverpool than there is about Manchester City. And Man City fans can jump up and down and say that's some sort of gender. It just happens to be a preference, mm-hmm. right? So I look at that and say he's a remarkable manager in those respects. But I also want to give context because we have this we have this capacity in this country to go hysterical over sentimentality and start to dwell on things and start to build people up to heights. That possibly for Liverpool fans, my word, he should be a legend. For other football fans, they should look at it and go great manager, lost to the Premier League, other football clubs will be going like this, okay, one less, one less big, it, be- one less big beast in the legend. room. Not just a Liverpool legend, a Premier League legend. Well, it depends what you define legend status by. Mm. If you define it by winning one Premier League, he's won yeah. one Premier League. So yeah. why would you say he's a Premier League legend? Well, is, is, is Claudio Ranieri a Premier League legend by that standard then? Because yes. we're talking, well, yes. is he a legend? Mm. Is oh that, is God! That, of course, what he did was 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 well, legendary. Depends what you think legend is. If it's an individual deeds, or if it's a body of work, and I, I personally believe that legend, like world class, gets flung around left, right, mm. and centre by everybody, and lands on people that sometimes don't deserve it. I think he's one of the best managers that the Premier League in the thirty years has seen, and I think that's a rightful accolade. Accolade, and I think for Liverpool, the nature in which he's been able to address. They've always been behind their managers. They've yeah. always been a, a fan base that is committed to those that manage their mm. teams. He's been able to tap into it 
almost like something out of Wolf of Wall Street sometimes. And with that sentiment, he's been able to produce a team that's done significantly good things. But when you walk out of the door and you say legends, there should be few and far between. And I think there's a conversation that might put him in the Liverpool legend, of course. But Premier League legend? Maybe. Okay. What I feel is possibly, um, well, it definitely has changed over the last uh, 20 odd years, is that you have managers, um, uh, like when I had, when Brian Clough, Brian Clough just didn't manage a team, he managed the football club. Sir Alex Ferguson managed the football club. And there's Arsene Wenger probably managed the football club. But these things, you know, when I went into management, that's exactly what I wanted to do manage a football club. Obviously, the most important thing is the first team to win football games. But you wanted to have everybody within the uh, within the club actually playing a part. What does that mean, Martin? Because what you, you wouldn't be running the finance department, would you? And you wouldn't well, be making the commercial decisions. Is that well, well, strangely enough, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't eventually be doing that there. But I would be totally and utterly involved in transfers, anything that was coming on it. And I'm not so sure nowadays that this is exactly what's happening. I think some some people might have a bit of a share, but eventually, well. It's a huge conflict of interest, though, isn't it? You're going to be involved in transfers and players' wages and things of those nature at the same time as potentially managing someone that you didn't want to give them precisely the money that they wanted. Sorry? I'm saying that, if, you get, if, if you get yourself involved in financial side of things, which yep. I'm not saying is beyond your capability, but all of a sudden you're managing your charges and you've been instrumental in getting them a contract which wasn't quite what they wanted. Oh, well, strangely enough, oh, well, wait a minute. Back in the Mostly, days when it was a few bucks. Well, let me put it this, if they signed for me, there's a fairly decent chance they were happy with what they got for a start. They're right, okay, so there was. So it, might, so it might not have been what the agent was looking for, it might not eventually, but if the player signed for me, he signed and he bought into... For those famous great words they buy into, which I absolutely hate, but they actually did do. They came and they came and played. I think you're an idealist. Maybe when you were getting paid five hundred pound a week, or thousand pound a week, or two thousand pound a week when you were a player, when you got Mm. these guys on two hundred thousand pound a week Mm. and the kind of salaries that are now in place, I think it's a fool's errand for managers to be anywhere near anything other than the football side. That's it. Do you? Do you? No. Well, I I totally disagree with you because I feel that when a player comes to you, you have to see what that player's worth. You have to be sitting down with him. Mm. You have to be involved Mm. in the whole proceedings. Absolutely. And you have the agent. You're doesn't no. You know you're not mad. mad, Absolutely. This is exactly what I did, and it's so important. Absolutely, it is essential that you're speaking to the player because the player's coming to play for you. Indeed. He has actually come into play for you. So push the and agent to the side. that's why you never put money in the middle of it. Pardon? And that's why you never put money in the middle of it. Because money is the biggest divider. And the moment you bring money into a conversation between somebody of influence and somebody of, of, of potential destiny control, yeah. you start to muddy the waters. Players should play for you, not because you were able to facilitate a solution for them economically or involved in that discussion because they want to. They should be two different discussions. No, no. I, I, I'm, I'm, I need the player. Fundamentally I disagree d- with me. What? You fundamentally disagree with I me. I absolutely do. I absolutely <laughs> do. because good. I have No, because I've been involved with it here and it is important. Now, things have changed. I, I, I accept this mm. over the last 10 or 12 years. I don't know whether Klopp or Guardiola would get remotely involved in someone's wages or whatever the case may be. If they want a player... Uh, the hierarchy get the player for him. They do the deal. But you're saying but that you was, did. That was absolutely. Did. That was it. Did. Well, this is it. This is what I I, I wanted. It's an interesting to do. thing. And I was in because when I went when I went to Celtic. First of all, 
The owner of the football club, the major shareholder, Dermot Desmond, who brought me into the football club, said, I want you to take ownership of this football club. He didn't mean literally own the, owning the football club, metaphorically no, speaking. No, but this is your club be, to run. This is your club to run. And that's and that to me, it was the biggest we compliment I could get. We don't need you pesky owners. Here's the fascinating thing. Here's the fascinating thing. The moment it comes on top and results start, start, going, to start going badly, the manager will turn around and say, I've got too many other things to do. I need to focus just on the first team. I don't want to watch the academy. I don't want to be involved in this. I don't want to be involved in recruitment. That shouldn't be my role. 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Eric Ten Hag is getting on with the job at Manchester United. Manchester United went to Newport yesterday. We spoke to Newport's uh, new majority shareholder uh, on Friday, Hugh Jenkins, who said, we'll give it a go. Well, they did give it a go, but it was Manchester United who crack on in the FA Cup. But now another story has come to light because Marcus Rashford was not included in United's travelling squad uh, when it came to the trip to Newport yesterday, United claimed that that decision was due to illness. But it followed newspaper reports that Rashford went out in Belfast earlier on in the week um, before saying that he himself was too ill to attend United's training session on Friday. United were informed that, that Rashford was out in Belfast on Wednesday night, where he apparently attended a nightclub but the following evening. Um it turns out that Rashford attended Thompson's Garage nightclub. They just made them famous again. On Thursday night, then returning to Manchester on a private flight the following morning. But nonetheless, the excuse that was given for the no-show was that he was too ill to attend the United training session on Friday. Post-match at Newport, um, as you might imagine, Ten Hag was peppered with questions but stuck to his line. He reported ill for the rest of his internal matter. I deal with it. Sorry, Eric. Why is it an internal matter? Yeah. Just done well. As I said, it's an internal matter. You understand that raises more questions than answers. If, if, um, mm. if it value, he wasn't. Oh. Oh. For, for you, but not for me. So it's internal matter. I will deal with it. It's an internal matter, and Ten Hag will deal with it. Would you have done exactly the same as Ten Hag did yesterday, Martin? Well, you know, <clears throat> sometimes you're asked, a, asked uh, a question and you think you've got the, the right answer for it. But the minute you say you'll deal with something means that there must be some issue to be dealt with. Anyway, beside the point, I'm, I don't want to be a Monday morning quarterback here. Here's the point. <laughs> right. OK, this is it. You talk... The pl- Just in recent time, first of all, perception is reality for a start. The last thing you want as a manager is that you're going through a, a tough old time. You're managing a very, very big club. Results have not been fantastic. You know, you're fighting for your life. You're fighting for the for the club. And players in recent times have been asking, they thought they'd been flogged, so they needed a couple of days off. And apparently he wasn't relenting. Finally, he's relented. So when he's thinking to himself, well, OK, I've, I've, I've given the lads a couple of days off. They'll be back in for Friday for a Sunday game. And then suddenly there's something, an issue comes up like this here. It does your brain in. It really does as a manager. It does your brain in. And particularly when you think, you know, Rashford, when you find out the facts, and if the facts are that he is in a, a nightclub in Belfast on a Thursday night, it's not the best preparation for a game. It's absolutely not. And you just and it's one more thing to deal with. And, and as I say, get back to the point about perception and reality. If you're winning football matches and you're top of the league, you can deal with this dead, dead easily. Absolutely. These things happen... And on more than one occasion at football clubs, I've had to deal with them myself. But at the end of it all, 
the last thing you want is just this this coming up and Rashford has a wee bit of previous as well too so it doesn't it doesn't help at all have you had this when you managed <clears throat> yeah, of course I've had it I, you want to name names <laughs> <laughs> well a player that I actually loved was Big John Carew I, I loved Big John Big, Big John Big John used to take the, he used to take the rules into his own hand and uh, and bend them if not actually break them and Big, <laughs> and um, but the one particular occasion he had broken the rule, he was down in London when he shouldn't have been down, and uh, I pulled him in. I got to know about this here vicariously, believe it or not, and I pulled John in on the Friday. said to him, John, um, you were out last night. No, 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 you were out last night, John, yes. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, I was out for a meal in Birmingham. No, no, you weren't out for a meal in Birmingham. You were out for a meal in London, and it wasn't just a meal. You were actually, you know, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. The long and the short of it, I said to John, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, John. I'm going to do you, I'm going to find you two weeks' wages, but I'm going to play you Saturday because I knew you'd be ready for the game, believe it or not. <laughs> he was fantastic in the game, played really well. And would you believe it, after the match is over, he comes knocking on my door and he said, Gaffer, can I have a word? He said, uh, could, uh, would you stop that fine, the two weeks' wages <laughs> fine, because he had played well and scored twice in the game. I said, John, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will honestly think about it. But I'll tell you, and I ended up having a compromise with him. Only finding one week's wages. One week, you still find him, but not as much as you're originally going to. Simon Martin's right. Rashford's got a bit of previous, hasn't he? Um, uh, interestingly, both United and Rashford's camp declined to comment uh, when they were contacted by the source of the story of the Athletic over the weekend. But where does it leave him? I mean, how much of a hardline stance does Ten Hag now need to take with Rashford? Depends what he's done. I mean, ultimately, if um, you're playing on a Saturday. A lot of managers would let players go out on a Wednesday. Um, and we don't know how long he was in a nightclub for. Well, you know, he might have been there till midnight and come home for all I know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the exact details of what he's done. If he's playing on a Sunday, he's gone out on a Thursday. The question is, is why isn't he in training on Friday? And why does why does Ten Hag, knowing, anticipating this question, need to make it an internal matter? The answer was he's not very well. That's it. That's the end of the discussion. He's chosen, chosen to make it a media matter. He doesn't need to deal with Marcus Rashford through the media. If there's a problem with Marcus Rashford, Rashford's attitude, then he should be dealing with him um, face-to-face. But he's used terminologies. It's nothing to do with his language or nothing to do with the fact that he's been caught on the hop. This question, you, you don't bring Marcus... Anything with Manchester United, anything that's not there, someone's going to ask you at a press conference because of the nature of people's perception of what's happening at Manchester United, ownership change, culture inside the football club wrong, not winning anything, everything's been up, up in the air since Alex Ferguson walked out the door. So you know you're going to get these questions. So the answer would have been really simple, he's not very well. And the rest of it would have taken care of itself and he would have dealt with him. But for whatever reason, he's chosen to air it. You know, I don't know whether this is a, a cardinal sin. I don't know whether Marcus Rashford is legitimately unwell, and neither does anybody else in this room. And I don't know whether him going out on a Thursday evening is anything different than a player going out on a Wednesday evening, no. which managers would allow them to do if they're playing on a Saturday. I get that, but why would Ten Hag opt to say yesterday uh, he didn't make the training session uh, on the Friday because he's not very well, when he himself doesn't know? Whether or not Rashford was indeed well, I'm well or not well. I'm assume, I'm, no, he's not his doctor. I'm assuming that he's been told he's not very well. So with that in mind... By Rashford. By Rashford. Right. right? I mean, how else do you tell someone you're not very well? You know, but Ra- Ra- Rashford, does it. Rashford would have phoned in of course. And, and found it or, or would have got someone yeah. to phone in for So the him. question is... But what, he doesn't know himself for sure. That's well, why he well, didn't no, say no, he hasn't stuck a thermometer up his jacksie and seen how what his temperature is. <laughs> right? No, granted. But the point is this, is that we're talking about a manager that's got form for this too. 
So ask yourself the question, why does Ten Hag want to do this this this, this way? Forget Rashford, you know, at this moment in time. Rashford can be dealt with, right? and he's an employee, and he's going to be bought in line or sold. Mm. That's what happens to Rashford because it's been going on for too long with him, up and down. He's not a top-class player. He's a good player because top-class players are like that all the time. He's like that, like that, like that, up and down. So top-class players don't score three, five, six, seven goals in one season and 30 the next. He's a good player but not a world-class player. The issue is Ten Hag and his preparedness to involve the question, to involve the controversy, to involve the pylon of adverse thinking and adverse influence. And why does he want to do that? Because it must be a style of management. Because he's done it with Jaden Sancho. By the way, I make him right for doing it for Jaden Sancho. I do. I think Jaden Sancho was. So is he not right for doing it this way as well? Well, but I don't think it, I don't think it's a, I, I don't think it's a continuing trend that works. I don't think I don't think it's a dressing room bonding mentality. Whether the players should be have their minds concentrated. If you use the media, you get to use them once or twice. You don't get to use them as a staple diet. You don't get to have that as your default setting as a management <clears> tool. I will bring players into the media to help concentrate their minds. That's not that's not. Yeah, but I don't think I, the, media, I just, the media didn't get what they wanted yesterday. No, in the but line they, of questioning. no, they, but they got given a thread, and that's all they need is a thread. <clears throat> right, but you're, you're, let's let's go back into the the manager's mind for a start. As we said at, I said at the beginning, the very, the very fact that he mentioned I'll deal with this situation means that there's something to deal with. That's the point. So maybe the wrong choice of word for a start. But but you have to look at it, the other viewpoint that you have given players a few days off. And, and if, if Rashford had been in training at the time on Friday, then there would be nothing said. But there's, there's, there is an irritance about, about, about someone who, you're looking from the manager's viewpoint, that has had been given a couple of days off Hasn't arrived, has been, he has found out eventually, maybe not at that particular time when he was doing the interview, but he's found out eventually that, um, that the lad has actually been in a nightclub on a Thursday night. Fine, okay, still within his rights. But then uh, ring, rings in sick. Uh, and the next day, well, it, it, I, I'm sorry. That is, that is just no wonder you would blow up with that. Absolutely, because yeah, you think not, yourself, but, okay, but, just, but that's great, Martin. That's would, wonderful. Would you have dealt yeah. with this the same way yesterday? Well, would, would you have said it's an internal matter? No, no, I, I take Simon's point exactly. I think you, you would say that you wouldn't say it's an internal matter. You just turn around and say, yeah, to give yourself a bit of breathing space, you just say, well, he's ill because he's Ill. that that's because he was and ill. Deal with this him. is what he said. Because I mean, I, 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 I absolutely. In professional life or football life, whatever life it is, when pe when people take the mickey out of you and you know they've taken the mickey mm. out of you, it is incredibly irritating. Yeah. But that's the difference between a manager and someone that can't manage because ultimately you've got to deal with that. Now, is the best way to deal with that? Is that going to get you your outcome? We can all run into a room and give someone a serious telling off and if we don't know how they're going to receive it, then what's the point of doing it? We feel better if we get nothing from it, right? So the bottom line is is that if he's using the media to impart wisdom and to impart sanctions, and it may well be, may he may well be thinking, I'm sick and tired of this kid being lauded and applauded mm. by sections of the Man United fan. This is what he does. Mm. This is how he behaves himself. And I get that. But is that a good management technique? Is it going to get you what you want? Is it going to get an outcome from the player? Does the player need his backside kicked up around his ears if indeed this is how he behaves? Of course he does. And we've all heard... The, the, the two biggest commodities in football are money and gossip. So we've all heard what Marcus Rashford is getting up to at some certain times in his private life and how he lives his life and whatever else. Some of it true, probably some of it untrue. The point is, is that the 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 the, the usage of the media is probably not the default setting that a top quality manager should want to so go how, to. How should he have answered it? You, you you're he's saying sick, he, he should have said he's sick, even though he doesn't know he's sick. Well, he's sick. Well, so it's a white line so to manage the situation. Ten, ten Hag says something that he's not 100% sure about. 
But he just says he's yeah, but sick. He, what he doesn't want to do is give people like us arms and legs. So he doesn't want to do, what, what, what would it be, what's, what's But the, then when it turns <coughs> out, if it turns out that Rashford wasn't sick, the media will then say to Ten Hag in seven days from now, you got led up the garden path, didn't and, you? And he'll turn you around. Wrong. And he'll turn around and say, I dealt with it. What yeah. I did was, what I did was, I gave you a need to know stuff. You don't need to know the ins and outs of my business. I've told you what I was prepared to tell you at the time yeah. because I want to manage the situation the way I wanted to manage it, not the way you think I should it's manage it. about standards. Did he not show <clears throat> that he, he wasn't going to stand for, for certain aspects of Ronaldo's petulance? He wasn't going to stand well, for the Jaden Sancho situation. Standards, standards, standards. And he's not going to stand for the Rashford situation you, if indeed Rashford was well <clears throat> enough to attend training. But I do, I do take Simon's point. You can deal with that there within the confines of the dressing room. You can, you can, uh, you can tear a strip off someone within within the dressing room and let other players hear it and, uh, if that's the case. And that is, but there is a definitely an irritance with, with in this here that you have given somebody a little bit of time off and you find out that he's in a nightclub and then he calls in sick the next morning. But in terms of dealing with it, absolutely yeah. right. Just say <clears throat> he's ill and then, then he'll deal with it himself. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. For the first time in 12 years, we had what's known as a black country derby. Who takes part in that? I'll tell you who does. West Brom and Wolverhampton Wanderers. And that was exactly what happened yesterday in the FA Cup. West Brom against Wolves. We knew it would be feisty. And after Wolves went 2-0 up, it got particularly feisty, unfortunately, not on the field, but off the field of play, in amongst the crowd. TalkSport's Nigel Adderley and Dean Ashton described the scene. And there was absolute chaos here, on the running track, beyond the stand on this near side. And I think it's Wolves supporters who have been celebrating that second goal. Clearly, that has antagonised people around them, but there's no excuse at all for what we've seen here. They've completely lost it, haven't they, some of these supporters? Completely lost their heads. Yes, I'm sure it is to do with there being a possible Wolves supporter in there. You see just one man 
on his own in there being protected almost by the stewards as best they can and that's the area of the field where a number of the players families are during the games which explains why the players were heading across to that area Really, it's quite sad. It's borderline pathetic, isn't it? Crowd disorder saw play suspended for fully 34 minutes. Uh, both sets of players left the field of play. Fighting broke out. Uh, we even saw the West Brom captain, Kyle Bartley, emerging from that area, kind of family section area of the ground with a child in his arms, believed to be one of his own children, and heading up the tunnel. And I don't think Kyle came back. That was it for him. He didn't come back for the final 10 minutes or so of the game after the game restarted. But Simon, because it's the FA Cup and because the away support is bigger than it normally would be, there were 4,000 Wolves fans in the Smethwick end. Can anything be done to stop away fans getting tickets in the home sections? Because that appears to be the problem here. They popped up in areas they shouldn't have popped up in. Yeah. I mean, all ticket games have to be managed in a certain way. Um, but that's often the case. And it's often, ironically, in the family enclosures that these situations happened. I mean, I had it a few times at Palace where you found fans getting into the family enclosure and you think, well, that's the one place that you don't want these kind of people into. Um, it's a difficult one. I mean, the policing of it, the stewarding of it, the response to it, the quantum of people that go to the games. If you don't give fans for a game of this significance in that part of the world um, the right amount of tickets, there's a criticism upon you upon that. If you do give them that, you've got to police and make sure that every aspect... I mean, we live in a digital world, and you would like to think that in every aspect of what you're doing inside these games now, certainly with Premier League football clubs, albeit West Brom and Germany are not a Premier League football club anymore, but they have <laughs> been in recent times, that there should be an ability to be able to control the processes better. Um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see. Um, and, you know, it's a bad reflection. Upon, I don't think it's anywhere near... What we've seen before, it's nowhere, we're not going back to the dark ages. It's not a case of we need to look back over our shoulder. This is an isolated instance of people behaving badly. There are a few more of them creeping up every now and then I would like to see. Um, but I, th I don't think the, I think there's a variety of answers. Yes, you can limit it. Yes, you can police it more. Well, that's what yes, I was going to say. Bigger FA Cup away <clears throat> allocations, maybe, maybe for flammable fixtures like this, maybe don't give them as many tickets. Well, then you look at the, absolutely the segregation side of things. Um, because ultimately you're putting people in there. But if you've got people that are from one football club sitting in an environment that's specifically supposed to be for another football club, and it's a high, highly... No one should be able to have to explain the combustibility of ridiculous behaviour. But on one hand, you have emotional gain. You demand emotion. You want your fans behind it. Another, And then there's this balancing line. So the best thing to do is try to find a methodology that enables people not to be in certain sections of the ground that they shouldn't be. But how you do that is a much more difficult task because nobody would not consider these things. The police safety meetings that would have happened before this event, they would have had local intelligence, they would have known who was coming to some extent, what the quantums, where they were going, how they were getting there, and all of these things, because it's not one of those back-of-the-fag packet things. No, you have proper grown-up no, meetings about exactly. who's coming yeah. in order to get a safety certificate for the game and how they're getting here. But when you get moments like that, it's almost, it's, it's almost impossible to control all you can do is manage it as quickly as you possibly can. Mm. Did you have a moment like that at Palace? We had a couple yeah. of instances yeah. with Brighton and Millwall where situations um, looked like they were going to get out of hand. And I think I told you the other day, giving the whole stand to Millwall once, I think it was six or 7,000 fans, mm. what looked like a good, clever commercial idea, 
turned into Sodden and Gomorrah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so regrettable, Martin, isn't it? Because so many went to that game yesterday with the intention of enjoying a rivalry they'd been starved off for a dozen or so years. Oh, you said something about lessening the tickets for the for the away fans. And I, <clears throat> I don't want to be... I, the last thing I wanted to do is end up contradicting myself because I was the one to say that I feel as if the old firm game, Celtic and Rangers, have lost something. And I Just agree lost with a you. bit of atmosphere because yeah. of the away fans not being allowed yeah. there yeah. As, lo- as long as they're being, being policed. But this was an opportunity. This was a, a, a black country derby, a big, big game, an um, FA Cup match. And I'd, and if the allocation is, is correct, I am sorry, I'm going to have to agree with that there. So, and most of the, you're talking about the Wolves fans, would be, as you're looking at the main, from the main stand onto the pitch, most of the uh, Wolves fans would have been away over to the uh, over to the right hand side. The, the the area where the trouble was, incidentally, as as I used to visit the Hawthorns, that's where uh, you know you would be sitting, and visitors would be allowed into that that particular area. But it, it is it's it, you don't want to go back, as Simon said, back to the dark ages again. Hopefully that these are isolated incidents, and it's a, but it was really unfortunate. And it's very very sad. I mean, you you've been involved in no doubt Villa Birmingham matches, mm-hmm. uh, Martin. I mean, obviously <clears throat> there is a huge undercurrent. Of, of course, um, yeah. In a match like that, yeah. as there was yesterday, yes. as Simon rightly says, this would not have been prepared on the back of a fag packet. This would, the, the, you know, the preparation <clears throat> would, would be would be extremely detailed going Absolutely. into this game yesterday, and yet. Disorder occurred. Yeah. Well, there's things that you there are absolutely and utterly outside the police's control, but uh, uh, and somebody getting tickets into an area that they shouldn't be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, it'll, it'll fuel the argument about policing. Mm. Um, I don't think it would make any difference. I don't think that is a case of what people are suggesting is that you know is that the police want it to be, the games to be earlier, which takes away the alcohol element mm-hmm. from it. I'm not entirely sure that that adds this adds weight to that, but it will add weight to their argument. It'll also add weight to their argument about f- more policing, which is a financial decision that football clubs have to make, and the FA Cup allows them to make that decision because both football clubs are paying for that policing. It comes out of the distribution of the game. And I also think the balance was right. I'm always I used to it used to drive me crazy the media when we our fans were fighting and we'd, we'd spend the cameras would spin into the stands. I remember John Motson years ago, God rest his soul, but they, England were playing Norway and we were stopped watching the game. We were watching these hooligans in the fans in the stadium, and I don't want to watch them. I want to watch the game. And the more you mm. shine a light on these people, the more they behave in this fashion. And and I think the balance was right on the reporting of it in terms of there was enough showed. Of, of it to get the context of it without going into every single aspect of it because, you know, showing shining a light on people sometimes is... I know sunlight is the best disinfectant. I get that. But by the same token, also, giving people more credence than they need to need to have is another balance they've got. And I think the media's coverage of it on ITV was probably just about right yesterday. Mm, I disagree with that. But anyway, I, I think if it's kicking off, you need to see what is kicking off. Your 100% essential download, Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We're back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. 
Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.